Kia ora. Kofa Smith Aho. Welcome to the House. Earlier this month in Parliament, the Finance and Expenditure Select Committee sent a report back to the House with an unprecedented extra. The committee put on record their concern that, and I'm paraphrasing, some of the drafting instructions for the committee's amendments to the bill they were working on were not the ones they expected. Some departmental official had either made a huge mistake or had taken it into their head that they knew better than the MPs. It got me wondering how a committee does this. By what process do they decide what changes a bill needs and how do they track those decisions? So I asked the chair of the committee that caught the runaway bill, Labour MP Ingrid Leary. What happened a few weeks ago, to my mind, is an example of the system working where select committees, by their nature, uh, there's a bit of tension between the select committee process and the government or executive process as it should be because after all parliament is uh, the one that holds government to account and the government is accountable to parliament. So when a bill comes to select committee uh, usually what happens first is there is an introduction to the bill um, often with a set of slides made by the officials from the department presenting it to give an overview to MPs about what the bill entails, what it's intending to do, how it works and so on. Then the committee can decide if it's quite a technical bill, for example, that it would like to also get an independent advisor. Because the officials who will have been involved in the policy that led to the bill, they're available to give you advice, but sometimes you like a second opinion, right? Correct, and that's because um, officials who are working on policy are paid to look at policy in terms of um, if we follow this path, then that will happen. If we follow this other path, then that will happen. Sure. So they are um, apolitical by virtue of their job. However, what an independent advisor can do is um, provide independent advice and also, if it's a contentious area, can support the committee in being seen to be independent in its deliberations. Because, yeah, while the committee is both governing party and opposition MPs, none of you are a member of the executive, so you all want to be seen to be sort of outside that. It's not just about wanting to be seen outside it. It's about wanting to make sure that the legislation is fit for purpose and is in the best possible shape it can be. Sometimes bills come before us that need very little work and sometimes they need quite a lot of what I would call panel beating. And I think there's a, a real willingness from all political parties to make the legislation as good as possible. So when you've done all that you, and you've, you've had feedback from the public and you've got expert advice, then you go through the bill and the committee agrees together what it will ask the parliamentary drafters to change about the bill, right? You give them a list of instructions, is that correct? Correct. So one of the most thorough ways to do that and something that I um, think should be a, a normal course of action really is to work off a table of changes so that all members are very clear on uh, what is being suggested by submitters, what officials are suggesting should change, and why, or why they suggest it shouldn't change. When there is an independent advisor, they can also proffer those opinions. Often, actually, the independent advisor can work with the officials and they can come to an agreement because this is about what is rational 
in terms of having the bill meet its expectations and its intention rather than um, a, a kind of policy judgment. However, if there is conflicting advice, then it is up to the committee to make those decisions. So having that in a table format is very, very helpful. It also means that advisors can indicate what would be called technical changes, very small technical changes that can go to the drafters that wouldn't normally need to take up the committee's time. And again, having oversight from an independent advisor is very helpful to the committee in that respect. Does that always happen and does it work well? I think the whole process usually works very well. And if there are disagreements between officials and independent advisors or officials with each other or uh, MPs, officials and advisors, that is all natural tension in the system designed to flush out the best possible solution for that bill. And in that case, the decision is always made by the committee? Correct. By a majority vote, if not a consensus? Look, I think um, the New Zealand public can be very confident in the decisions that are made by select committees. There is always scope for further, you know, having a larger number of MPs, that would be great, or for having more time. Those are the two pressures. MPs are often time poor. But the quality of advice given to select committees across the board tends to be very high quality. And as long as MPs are doing their job and making sure they read all the material and engage with it, then I think the legislation that comes before the House is very good quality. Uh, I think we're very lucky with the level of resource that we have available to us and the quality of advice that we're given. That was Ingrid Leary, who is Chair of Parliament's Finance and Expenditure Committee. You've been listening to The House. It's a whakaranga koe ki te whare. This programme is produced with funding from Parliament's Office of the Clerk. Matua.